0: Hello and welcome back to Tales from Wisteria Lane, the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. We're the boyfriends. I'm Billy Ray. And I'm Joel. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing Season 4, Episode 9, Something's Coming. Now, If you're new here, we take it in turns so that one of us will lead the episode and one of us will do the trivia. This would be an interesting case if you're new as well, because we're not doing this episode the same way that we normally do. So we're not going to go through every single scene one at a time. We're going to just do our thing here. And I'm excited because I'm leading the episode and it's the disaster episode. Right? I think last season was bang. Last season yeah. was bang. So basically, yeah. it's it's like an event episode. Yeah. So Joel is going
1: to be giving us his trivia and fun facts. Do you have anything to start us off? As always, uh, this episode was written by John Pardee and Joey Murphy and directed by David Grossman. The episode aired on December 2nd, 2007 in the United States and is widely considered among the show's best episodes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the title of the episode, Something's Coming, comes from the title of a song from the musical West Side Story. It's quite a good song as well, actually. I don't know the words but i know off the song and the international titles are as follows so the finnish is a twister the french is life hangs by a thread the hebrew is tornado the italian is when the winds rising the macedonian is you can never predict nature and then the polish and the german translate to the tornado
0: from my memory i think that's the first time we've had the macedonian
1: one. yeah i know i don't i don't think we i've come across macedonian before so so, and um, one of Mark Cherry's original ideas was that Carlos killed Victor and blamed it on the tornado, which just was scrapped. Love it. As I said, this episode aired on the 2nd of December, 2007. So, what happened on this day, other than obviously the airing of possibly one of the best Desperate Housewives episodes ever? Frankly... With this episode, anything else is irrelevant to me, but entertain me. What so, happened on this day? On this day, Russian President Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party wins the election with 62.8% of the votes. Oh, boo. So it was a disaster in real life as well. It was. It was. Parents were getting ready for Christmas at this time of the year. And the number one present for children was Iggle Piggle from In the Night Garden. Oh, okay. Not Radioactive Man or... No, but What's these What's the were... one from Jingle All The Way? Oh, uh, it's Turbo Dive, Turbo, Turbo Man Turbo Mad or something, something like that. Yeah, but they were also buying presents such as the board game for Are You Smarter Than a Ten-Year-Old, <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle the doll, but not the horror Annabelle, like a, an actual doll Annabelle, a Barbie MP3 player, and for us UK people, the Dalek Sec Doctor Who mask. Oh, Yeah, the one where he turns into a human and it has, like, the tentacles on the sides. Who would want that? No idea. That's like an early Halloween present, if anything. Yeah. So the Billboard Top 100, for the US anyway, was dominated with Alicia Keys, No One. And obviously we're on the run-up to the Christmas number one for this year. So the Christmas number one for this year, for the UK anyway, was Leon Jackson's When You Believe, because he won the X Factor that year. Yeah. Poor old Leon, I don't think anybody ever heard of him since. (laughs) Um, Enchanted was the top movie Which was a great movie Gamers are playing titles such as Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Battlefield 2142 Halo 3 and Rock Band All but Splinter Cell Mm. A little bit of Metal Gear Solid competition Yeah, And children and teenagers Were currently watching shows such as Spongebob obviously Danny Phantom, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and popular toys were the PlayStation 3 and the Nintendo Wii and the iPod Touch oh the PS3 damn it was that long ago okay so something's coming is the last episode to air before the writer's strike shut down production oh guys the writer's strike we we could do a whole episode just on that we could do a whole episode just the writer's strike the writer's strike ruined one of b's favorite tv series as well yeah rest in peace pushing daisies rest in peace pushing daisies because that was that had some concepts it was great not even the pie maker could could bring that show back to life Mm -mm. thank god this show survived and this episode required one additional element, which was wind. And so they had four 100 mile per hour computer controlled turbo fans and each required a 100 amp generator and a forklift to move it around.
0: Yeah, I saw that in the bonus features and
1: it looked really intense. Intense. Like yeah. those cranes were huge. Yeah. Just for cameras and stuff. And just like well. imagine the the women just having to literally yell at each other during this the filming of this episode because you've got the wind and it's obviously getting heavier and stronger and stronger and so they're having to yell at each other right next to each other oh yes, great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would hate to imagine how this was for the sound department mm. and yeah that's all my trivia
0: okay right let's get into this episode then so previously karen briefly gave up babysitting for Lynette when tom was acting like a big man baby mm-hmm. we got introduced to sylvia adam's stalker from california susan discovered that orson is prescribing mike the medication that he's addicted to Gabby and Carlos assumed that Victor was dead and they tried to cover up their accidental murder. But it turns out that Victor is alive and he wants revenge. And Brie was not mentioned. <laughs> no offense, Brie. <laughs> so right away, let's talk about... This is a disaster episode. And I love the disaster episodes. Every single one of them has this way of making me feel so on edge and tense. Yeah, And there's always a couple of moments towards the middle or the end, where you do feel scared
1: for the characters. And this just heightens that so much from the last season. This really does. The one thing that Desperate Housewives is always successful with is the disaster episodes. Mm. There are some less great disaster episodes but you know not everyone is going to be a gem but they do manage to solidly commit to giving us a fantastic disaster episode where something dramatic happens and someone is affected really badly that you just you just want to reach out and hug them. Yeah I know it,
0: you feel you really feel for the ladies in these ones. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to talk about the opening yep. because it's really creepy and it Kind of instantly sets the mood. Mary Alice narrates about how it should just be an ordinary day with husbands doing their chores and women watering their plants. And we get these very sort of 28 Days Later-esque shots of how empty the lane is. Mm. There's an abandoned car still covered in soap suds, but someone just left the water bucket right next to it. Why? (laughs) The tornado's not there right now. (laughs) It's not worth dying to clean your car. There's a patio bench just swinging ominously. Mm. No one to be seen. And we find it's because of the oncoming tornado and we then get shots of the destruction and you realize it's the disaster episode yeah and just from the opening it looks terrifying not just because of how abandoned it is but then all the destruction this yeah these worldly disasters yeah
1: it's terrifying because those those tornado graphics (laughs) they've not aged well girl i tried not to look at them because i didn't want to get too critical about cgi (laughs) no obviously like At the time, it was probably the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're seeing that tornado graphic and you're like, damn, this is shit hot. But looking now in the year 2022 and I'm watching this like 15 years later and I'm like, oh, graphics really do age quickly, don't they? Yeah. If you look at it too long, you're like, it hasn't really improved that much since Wizard of Oz. (laughs) The tornado, huh? No, not really. (laughs) But I love how... Wisteria Lane has had one rainy day in the entire series so far, and now all of a sudden we get a 20 day. <laughs> I know. The set is always <laughs> immaculate and beautiful and sunny. What I will say is Mary Alice is proper clickbait in this opening. I think she forgot to say exactly what I was about to oh, well, say. Oh, yeah, really? Because <laughs> she's like, one will lose a husband. And, oh, will lose a friend. And I'm like, well, yeah, technically. But like, you're yeah, really she, making um, it sound like it's Lynette's about to die and so's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say she really sets up some intrigue with that line. Because think, you think who's the husband and who's the friend that's going to die? Yeah. She's the life hack clickbait writer. That's what she is. She, Mary Alice is the woman that writes the clickbait article titles. Yeah. We also cut back to a bit earlier. But that morning before the
0: disaster, Gabby tells the women that her and Carlos are back together and they're all quite surprised. Which never happens. Um, She also knows that Edie told Victor everything and they've decided that they're going to move away because of how powerful Victor is. Mm -hmm. And obviously they're not going to get rid of Gabby. So
1: from a writing perspective, Victor has to go. Yeah. We need this situation sorted. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. This never happens. The women never just straight up tell them everything. Nope. Like, I respect Gabby for this. For going up to the girls and saying, that me and Carlos had an affair. Victor's found out. Edie told him. And it's, you know, we need to leave. Like, just straight up. Honesty. And I respect that from Gabby. I know. I loved how surprised everyone was. They were like, what? <laughs> You're married.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, let's start. I've put in order... Who I want to talk about. Okay. And I'm going to start with my least favourite of the storylines, but not in a bad way. It just wasn't as compelling as the other ones for me. And that was Susan and Mike. I knew you were going to say that. But that's but not in a bad way, because it is still compelling and very hard. So yeah. this episode for Susan um, revolves around Mike's drug addiction, because mm-hmm. that's what's going on right now in her life. So in this episode, Susan confronts Orson about prescribing Mike the pills. And it seems that he doesn't really have an excuse, so she ends up just leaving. <laughs> yeah and pretty susan... much by
1: getting the the patient involved as well she's like does this sound like a good idea to you which was quite funny <laughs> i liked the com- the comedy there yeah susan so you got a bit, have a bit of comedy yeah
0: and she does also confront mike in this episode because she hides the pills from him they have a little bit of a fight and it escalates with susan accidentally falling down the stairs and having to be rushed to hospital mm-hmm. and yeah we kind of see a downward spiral for mike in this episode
1: yeah it's not a a nice episode for Mike. No,
0: it's hard it's hard to see because the writers have spent so much time trying to get you to love Mike. Mm-hmm. Even if he is such a boring wet
1: blanket in the last season, you still love him by this point, right? Yeah, they they really like run out of things to do for Mike towards the end of the series, don't they?
0: But um he's basically he's obviously worried because Susan is pregnant, so they go to the hospital and oh my god, it is packed,
1: probably because of the tornado. The tornado. The tornado. Yeah. But he, well, it's not just on coming. Like, the tornado has already hit certain areas. Yeah. It's so just not hit this the stereo lane, well so. Busy. But I would like to point out, Susan is a queen. The way Mike goes to the car to get his pills, and then he opens the little pot, and there's just a little message in a bowl. Now, this is this is the scene that Taylor Swift was inspired by when she wrote message in a bowl. I was just about to sing that. <laughs> message in a bottle is all I can, can do. do. <laughs> so, Mike said, she's like, see me now. And I'm just like, queen, Susan. Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Mike is super addicted at this
0: point, and he's having withdrawal symptoms, and he's getting really angry, and he spends most of the time at the hospital just spiraling out of control, getting angry with doctors and nurses, and he even punches one of them at one point, a male nurse or possibly doctor.
1: Yeah, he's very rude. Like, it's not the hospital's fault that he pushed his wife down the stairs.
0: Oh, let's not go there. He didn't well, push her he down the like, stairs. Well, he didn't, like, push
1: Susan down the stairs, but they, like, struck, they had a little, like, struggle on the stairs, and Susan sort of slipped and... Mike didn't really catch her, yeah. and whether that was deliberate, because Mike was like, well, if I get rid of her, then it's only the drugs left, or if he just didn't catch her in time. <laughs> Are you saying that
0: the reason he runs down to check on her is because he's like, if she dies, I'll never get the pills. Yes. I'll never find them. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably just in the flower pot. <laughs> <laughs> just look in the flower pot. Yeah, then. just look at, the, look at the pot where the flower's kept. So naturally, because he has a bit of a, a fist fight here, they have to call security on him. Mm-hmm. So, quite the downward spiral. He eventually says sorry... He's clearly in a lot of pain without the pills and he's going through it. And Susan even talks about rehab while he's handcuffed to a chair. It's just so
1: sad. It is really sad. And I really loved that scene. Where Mike was like, "Oh well, I, I just need to get through this," and then Susan gets the pills from the, the nurse. She comes back. She was like, "The doctor told him to give you these," and then Mike's like, "Can I have one?" Oh my god! And I'm just Susan's like, "Really, bitch? Killers. Really, bitch? We're going down this. Yeah, that, going Susan, down this Susan route.
0: gets painkillers because she's all she's done is sprained her ankle. Thank God, yeah. the baby's fine. And he's just like, "Do you want, do you want to give me some some of those painkillers right there?"
1: Yeah. Just the fact that Susan has to sit there and say no. You are going to rehab, otherwise I will take this baby and I will leave you. There's no, maybe in a little while, oh yeah, sure, I just just give me one now to tide me over. It's been such a long time, blah, blah, blah. But this is what all addicts say. I don't need rehab. I can get through this. It's fine. But you are no less of a man for going to rehab.
0: No, no, not at all. It's just a hard... It's hard, isn't it, rehab? And talking about rehab. Mm. Um. But that's kind of how that scene ends. And she she does say... If we don't get this sorted or if you don't go to rehab, I will leave you. I'll take this baby and leave.
1: Yeah, right. Picture Perfect
0: Marriage popped in an instant. And with everything everything that we see in this episode, all of the disaster
1: and the catastrophe, I hope Julie's okay. Julie's in Paris. Julie's in Paris? Julie and Dylan are in Paris. Went to on a school trip. Oh, because at the very beginning of the episode, Catherine's on the phone, like, Sella taping up. And that's when she sees Sylvia. We'll get to this when we talk about Catherine's storyline. But that's when she sees Sylvia and she's on the phone to Dylan and she's like, oh, okay, tell Julie I'll, I will take care of Susan. I'll make sure her mum's okay. Have fun in Paris. She never does. What, check on Susan? No. No, she doesn't. Bree checks on Susan. <laughs> she's got her own thing going on. <laughs> well... I'm going to have to take away, this is a
0: spoiler for the end of this episode, but I'm going to have to take away my worst parent award now.
1: Oh, are you going to give it to Susan for not giving a shit
0: about Julie? It's (laughs) like, she didn't mention Julie once in this whole episode, but really the worst note taker award should go to me for not even- For not
1: paying attention.
0: (laughs) Not even (laughs) realising that Julie wasn't even here.
1: (laughs) None of the kids are in this episode. Well, Lynette's kids are. Oh yeah, very, very briefly. But I mean, like Andrew, Julie, Dylan. Yeah. Um. Then not in the episode. So Joel, what did you think about Gabby in this episode? What can you tell me about Gabby? Oh, Gabby's fierce. (laughs) She's just so fierce. The the fact that she literally goes up against Edie in the middle of a motherfucking tornado. (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk about how problematic everyone is in this episode. How messy they are. Everyone's just getting into a fight in the middle of a tornado. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's a mess in this episode. It's like everyone's panicking about the tornado, but at the same time. They only really pay attention to the tornado when it suits them. <laughs> yeah, no one is just like, let's just stay in this room. Everyone's got to be out in the tornado at some point. Yeah. My very first note is Gabby is funny in this episode. (laughs) She is absolutely hilarious. You're thinking of when she kicks Edie into the little hole and she's like, move your ass or something, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. Although right away, Carlos tells her to just pack the essentials because they're
0: (laughs) running away. And she's got two suitcases, one of which has a boa.
1: If you're not taking me somewhere with a boa, then I don't think I want (laughs) to (laughs) go.
0: Even in a disaster, Gabby (laughs) finds a way to make it fun. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, of course. Absolutely. I've kind of um, roped Edie into my notes about Gabby as well because this is very much Gabby and Carlos and Edie and Victor's story. So Edie finds out that Gabby and Carlos are going to run away and she's like, like, hell, they're getting away. Mm. And a guy comes over to Gabby and Carlos's with the info about Carlos's offshore accounts and Edie just so happens to be at the door and gets her hand on it because the guy
1: assumes that she was Gabby. And he's like, you're just as pretty as Carlos says you are. Oh no, I'm much prettier. (laughs) fantastic edie it's great (laughs) so but edie's only at the house because some little kid from the street knocks on the door tries to sell her water kid is an entrepreneur by the way he's literally selling water in the middle of a motherfucking tornado and he's literally just like oh bottle of water and she's like oh thanks and he's like 10 bucks 20 he wanted 20 (laughs) was it 20 20? i
0: hate this kid (laughs) entrepreneur right there rewind to like Two years ago, we're in a pandemic. It's complete lockdown, and people are selling toilet for how much money online?
1: Oh, yeah, ridiculous. That's this kid. That's yeah. what this kid does in the modern day. But I don't blame Edie for being angry, for finding out about all of this through a kid. Yeah. Just a random neighbourhood kid. But yeah, so Edie, like he says, ends up getting her hands on the paperwork. And the dude literally says, I've washed my hands of this. This is the only copy. Do not lose it. And she's stood there holding it. And then, what I would like to actually point out, which really sort of aggravated me, actually. So... <laughs> She opens the folder, the paper folder, by the way. It's open plastic. It's like a little paper leaflet kind of folder thing in the middle of a tornado. Yeah. And I'm just like, girl, he's literally told you this is the only copy of this information. So you cannot lose it. If you lose it, that's 10 million gone. And she's just opening it in the middle of a tornado. like "Hmm, Foreshadowing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. So, uh, But this has my favourite shot from the episode. And that's when Gabby
0: watches Edie run off with the papers. Yeah.
1: And then Gabby runs after her and leaves her bedroom balcony door open in the middle of a f***ing tornado. These women! <laughs> I know. Gabby just watches her run off with those papers.
0: Edie, what have you got there? <laughs> oh, crap.
1: <laughs> well, at the beginning, Gabby was like, I don't have time for this, Carlos. And I'm just like, it's 10 million, Gabby. You can learn to multitask. Yeah. Girl, get great. grip. <laughs> Following on from that, Gabby then breaks into Edie's place,
0: throwing a brick through the window, and just casually walks in like, oh, good, you're home. <laughs> good, you're home. <laughs> uh they both end up running outside with the papers oh, against oh. the wind and, and they like, get
1: blown away guys screaming yet yeah, the papers get blown away all that money and gabby's scream gabby's literal scream when the papers get blown away she's like no!
0: <laughs> now for some effing reason though even though we're in we're in this terrible tornado victor has decided to come to wisteria lane to confront them and mm-hmm. um, so carlos finds him waiting in in gabby's house with a gun well, obviously, Gabby and Edie are hiding in Edie's crawl space right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they see the tornado on the street and they run to Edie's. I think I've got a crossbase. It should be big enough for both.
0: So they're fighting in the street, and they look at the tornado, and they get that scared look on their faces, and they're like, "Okay, maybe we should hide." Yeah. And while that's happening, yeah, Victor's decided to come to a stereo Lane to confront Carlos now.
1: Yeah, and then Carlos tries to push him off with cheesy bullshit. It's like we're two halves of the same person, or something. Oh fuck off, Carlos! for that bullshit,
0: don't give me that cheesy crap. <laughs> and then Victor goes to shoot Carlos and misses at point blank range.
1: Yeah, right. Literally, right. Pretty much right in front of it. And Carlos is He's...
0: lucky. Victor's a bad shot. He's a couple of meters away yeah this is why you have to leave the dirty work to your thugs victor yeah i mean he probably thought you know what this is personal i'm gonna kill this guy but seriously man (laughs) he was right there you had him and then we have the manliest scene ever as the two men decide to fist fight in the streets literally
1: have a fist fight in the middle of a tornado and (laughs) like you've got all of the um the special effects that are like destroying everything on the street like things are hitting stuff so um absolutely love Catherine's mailbox by the way because it's just a miniature version of her house absolutely love that i want that and also note robin lee's fountain gets destroyed
0: yes i didn't notice that, that was i amazing. noticed that i was
1: like thank god that fountain got destroyed and this basically ends
0: with victor being impaled by a white picket fence right we've turned to buffy the vampire slayer
1: stake right through the chest yeah a
0: white picket fence goes right through the guy.
1: Right, stake right through the chest. Oh, and then Carlos gets hit in the head. Yeah. With something. I'm not sure what it was. It went too fast for me to actually see what it was. But Something some like debris. a rock flies yeah. around. He gets knocked out. We then move on to our
0: red-haired ladies. We love yeah, the red-haired ladies. We do. We've got Bree and Catherine. Yeah. Bree... Starts off this episode very nicely. She brings Susan a care package. It's got batteries. It's got radio. So sweet.
1: In the middle of a tornado. I know it's only crossing the street, but...
0: And at the start, Catherine is quite good as well. She's putting tape over the windows, and I thought that was really smart. Yeah. I think it's supposed to make the
1: windows more sturdy so they don't just smash with the wind.
0: Yeah. So that was good. She also sees Sylvia as well. Sylvia starts spreading shit very quickly.
1: She's really just standing there in the middle of a tornado zone.
0: Yeah. Sylvia's telling Catherine about how Adam... Basically, had sex with her and stuff. And she's like, I saw him yesterday. Did he not tell you?
1: How he married such a cold, hard bitch.
0: Catherine spits on Sylvia. Yeah. Do you want to know something <laughs> funny about when Catherine spits on Sylvia? Yes. Because of the wind machines, it went right back at Catherine. When, they were, sho- <laughs> when they were shooting. <laughs> Amazing, which I thought was hilarious. It it made me think of that scene where Bart and Lisa are on that spinning ride. Oh yeah, and they're, they're trying to spit at each other, but it just keeps going back. It keeps hitting the house, mill house. <laughs> <laughs> Bree seems to believe Sylvia's side of the story at first until Sylvia kind of goes a bit nuts and throws a cookie across the room. Oh yeah, we, we've actually got a clip about this as well, which I'm just gonna play now.
1: Well, they seem content. Well, they're not. just an observation
0: yeah a stupid one okay (laughs) this has been lovely we really should um, do it again sometime you think i'm making this up we were lovers i can prove it he has a snake tattoo on his right shoulder i licked it
1: Be that as it may, I really think you should go now.
0: No one believes me. She has you all brainwashed. So it doesn't take very long for Bree to realize, wow, this woman's a bit mense, like mental. No, right,
1: a bit mense. Mense, she's (laughs) mental. Sylvia's like dropping evidence now. I was just she's saying, no longer just like a crazy lady. She's there like, yeah, I can prove it. He's got a snake tattoo. I licked it. It tasted delicious. Absolutely loved it. And that is important. Yeah. The snake tattoo is important,
0: guys. Yeah. She then goes and runs off into Bree's bathroom because she's all upset because no one believes that she ever got with Adam. This is why you don't invite strangers into your home. But Bree and Catherine actually seem to come together in this episode And when Catherine tells Bree the story. And she's like, I would have spat on her too. Yeah.
1: They had like a little sort of bonding moment.
0: That was nice.
1: It was, it was really nice. Like, Catherine's starting to open up and she's turns to Brie and she's like, now you know my secret. And I'm like, girl, that's not your secret. What happened to Dylan? That's your secret. Right, the season mystery is all about Dylan, not about what happened in Chicago, Yeah, really. that's like, that's a secondary, that's a secondary secret. And you're just using that secret to sort of hide the fact that you've got another secret. Because now you're like, oh, now everyone's know- everyone knows my secret. Oops. And yeah, I think this is what starts blossoming Bree and Catherine's friendship maybe? I think
0: so, yeah. And it all culminates in a really sad scene where Bree tells Catherine what Sylvia told her about Adam's tattoo and Catherine realises that Adam did actually cheat on her with Sylvia. Yeah. So it's kind of Adam's fault that they had to move away because... Kind he, of. He did cheat on her with Sylvia and Sylvia did um, sexual allegation charges towards him. Yeah. They lost loads of money. They lost their home and their friends and they had to move all
1: the way back to suburbia. Yeah, they settled and Adam got the tattoo removed because Brie is just prejudiced apparently to people with tattoos. Yeah. You know, I, I'd noticed because tattoo people make me very uncomfortable. What
0: doesn't make Brie very uncomfortable? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> it's
0: lovely <laughs> sorry it's, it's so hard to talk about the next bit because it's so funny guys Sylvia's deaf uh, hilarious mm, mm. she eventually comes out of the bathroom I don't know maybe she got bored and she's just like Adam I get the message. I'm gonna leave. I, I don't. She's I, yeah, so delusional. She, she
1: just sort of leaves the room, but there's no reason as to why she would leave the room. She just
0: leaves. In her head, she's so delusional. I think she thinks that Adam does love her, and so if she friends to just leave, he'll come out. Mm. She opens the front door, and the tornado just sweeps her away. <laughs> And it was so the funny. arms
1: and legs flailing and she's what? dragged
0: out. She's like, Oh, I'm going. Oh what?
1: She just disappears
0: in the air. <laughs> Mary Poppin style when she gets rid of all the nannies, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would
0: you, could you imagine that's such a scary thought being just swept off like that off the ground but so funny though such a funny visual lands
1: somewhere else and she's like i don't think we're in fairview anymore <laughs> <laughs> i will say it, the scene is heartbreaking when katherine adam brie and orson are just stuck in that tiny room and that's when katherine finds out
0: yeah poor katherine
1: th- there's, there's nothing you can do you're just stuck there in that room with the person that you now know cheated on you. I've been there. I know that feeling, girl. I know I know how you feel, Catherine. I can relate to that. She had to find out in front of who she considers
0: a nemesis. Yeah. As well.
1: Yeah. Admittedly, I wasn't in front of my enemy when that situation happened to me. And there also wasn't a tornado outside. So I can't say that I've been there in the same circumstances. Well, but I've definitely been there. Yeah, we don't really get a lot of tornadoes in England. No, we get very small ones. We get a
0: very heavy wind. We do get very heavy wind. We've got heavy wind today. And we finally get to the storyline that is Lynette. Yeah, Lynette and Tom and the family, Karen and Ida. Mm. So with Lynette in this episode, we get some nice Lynette and Karen time together. Not nice, but it's nice to see them together anyway.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while, I think, since we've had some decent Lynette and Karen time.
0: Lynette basically goes over to Karen's house because she wants her and her family to be able to stay in Karen's cellar. And she's like, oh, come on, you know, that family that you love so much, the seven of us. And Karen's like, oh, I only love
1: four of you. And I want the list. (laughs) I'm going to guess she means Lynette, Parker, Penny... And one of the twins, I was but only say, one. But
0: who? It's definitely not Kayla. It's definitely not Tom.
1: No, she's already established it. she doesn't like Tom, and she's not going to like Kayla. So it will only be one of the twins. Yeah, but probably Porter or, Porter or Preston. Which one? So
0: they show up and they go into Karen's basement. Eventually, after Karen says yes, and her and Ida instantly hate this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just. just like. Downstairs.
1: What's that? Is that the tornado?
0: No, worse. It's the Scavos. <laughs> yep, they come downstairs and the kids are banging on shit. Straight away, they hate it. Yeah. Ida and Lynette butt heads a little bit because Tom is allergic to cats and Ida's cat is here. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Tom's throat starts closing up because of this, so Lynette decides to sneak the cat upstairs without Karen or Ida noticing because Ida is very much like, you know, this cat is my child. Yeah. And Karen's very much like, I invited Ida over, I'm doing
1: you a favour so you can deal with it. Who do you agree with Um, in this situation? Lynette. You agree with Lynette? Yeah, unfortunately. It's, yeah... Yeah.
0: He's a human being.
1: Yeah, but he's also Tom.
0: <laughs> Is there no way we can just put the cats somewhere else? But it's too late to run upstairs and
1: well, it wasn't, ask someone it, else to take the cat. I mean, yeah, it was it was too late. I mean, you could literally have ran across the road to Bree and been like, do you mind looking after the cat? Lynette and Karen have a little bit of tension in this episode
0: because Karen thinks that they're not actually friends and Lynette just kind of uses her. And they both end up running outside because Ida's cat runs out the front door when it blows open. Hmm. And they end up running out looking for the cat. You can really feel a lot of resistance in the way that they're sort of walking or running when they're outside as well.
1: Yes, because I especially got that with Gabby and Edie Mm. when they were like fighting and everything. I got that. And you can really feel the
0: fear on everyone's faces during the shots when people are looking at the tornado. Mm. Because there's the bit where Lynette is just grabbing Karen. She's like, we've got to go inside. I'm not just going to let you die out here in a tornado looking for a cat. And they see the
1: tornado and they're just like, oh shit. And Karen's like, oh no, this is what friends do. They die in tornadoes for our friends' pets.
0: Yeah, and this is the moment where the tornado is so close that they just decide to run to the the nearest safety, which is Lynette's house. Yeah, and where they, they get, had
1: a smart idea. Yeah,
0: they get in the bathtub and they put a mattress on top. And yeah. this is that shot where the, the tree breaks through the window. Mm-hmm. So throughout this episode, we've had some funny moments, some sad moments, some tense moments. Mike's been on a downward spiral. There's drama, and it's gotten really scary at the end. Yeah,
1: and now we're about to get an absolutely
0: divo moment. Yeah, so everyone's in their hiding places. Destruction is happening. We cut to a little while later. We have a bit of a slow fade, and we have that ending. That ending. to me, is the most memorable ending
1: of every episode in the whole season. Chills. Like, even just talking about it gives me chills, but it makes me well up and just chills all over my body every single time I see it.
0: Yeah, this is the ending that I will... I remember out of the whole series not just the season actually yeah as
1: well as the very last episode obviously i will say before we get to the worst bit brie's house also got fucked up quite a bit yeah the roof because like i will see Do you remember a couple of episodes ago or last episode right we were talking about why orson ends up at like well, brie and orson end up at season's house because of the roof. Oh, yeah. And I said, I can't remember. I remember the roof getting damaged and I don't remember how. <laughs> oh, so, it's yeah. It's this roof. Well, this so roof's getting fixed. Bree's rooftop being destroyed leads into a future storyline, guys. Yeah. And I'm guessing because Sylvia left the door open when she got sucked out of Bree's house. It really <laughs> fucked it up. And Bree had some nice stuff. Yeah. It's really tragic. So, Lynette and
0: Karen come out from the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. And they go into the streets not only to find that Wisteria Lane is a mess. Fucked. There are trees and cars and shit
1: everywhere. Just, it's such debris all over the place.
0: But also, Karen's house has been absolutely destroyed. Yeah, What like... was
1: her house made
0: of, sticks? I don't... <laughs>
1: Oh, half an hour half an up, blow your house
0: down. Like, everyone's um, house is in a bit of disarray. Yeah. And Bree's house is worse because of the roof. But then, mm. but Karen doesn't even have a house.
1: And Susan's house is perfectly fine.
0: Oh, of course, because it's Susan. <laughs> because it's Susan. Um, <laughs> so, Karen's house is destroyed. And Lynette has this wail of a scream, this absolutely devastating scream and Mm. just leaves you on this cliffhanger because you just you her. she
1: thinks her family's dead you hear her calling for the kids you hear her calling for tom as we cut to the credits and like the the primal it's like a primal scream of of fear and terror
0: yeah it was um gut-wrenching yeah even karen's kind of like running after her to get well she's probably like my fucking house she's like shit my house (laughs) but also the kids ida ida um tom i guess The cat! (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, no, the cat wasn't even in the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Is the cat okay? Probably not. Oh, my God. According to the bonus features, the shot of the destroyed street is all real. Not computer effects. Like, that's all real stuff. They
1: did that to the street. They that, they Seth. did that. <laughs> so. My friend... I remember my friend going to um the set for Desperate Housewives when we were at school at Universal Studios. And I was so pissed off. Because I was like, you're not even a fan. You're not even a fan of Desperate Housewives. Are you serious? Oh, no, he that's... wasn't a fan. And I was just like, how... How dare you come back and rub it in my face that you have been to the set and walked down those streets. I could point to Edie's house and you would be like, who's Edie? That's so not cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. So before we move on
0: to after the episode, I'm just going to talk about the bonus features a little bit. So this episode looked absolutely chaotic to shoot mm-hmm. from what I saw with those massive cranes and all the shit everywhere and the the wind. Yeah, Mark Jerry says in the bonus features that he already knew... When doing this episode, that he wanted the episode to end with Lynette walking out of her house and screaming, huh? and that he knew Felicity could do that moment. Yeah, Felicity Huffman also mistakenly didn't warm up her voice before the screaming shots, not mm. realizing she'd be screaming for ten takes from different angles, and she was like, "Oh, I could do that." Say <laughs> God, Felicity, you're an actress. You should know. I'm going to listen out in the next episode to see what her voice sounds like. Dana Delany, Delany, Dana Delany, Dana, 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 Dana Delany, who plays Catherine also has a bit where she mentions how much of a problem it was with the hair because of the wind blowing so the hair would go everywhere and that was a bit of a problem yeah and also you know the spit thing where she spits at sylvia and it blows back at her Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the best thing that i got from the bonus features was when nicolette sheridan said that the best thing about this episode was that it was a great workout because of all the running around with Eva longoria (laughs) yeah so that was the end of the episode. We're now going to move on to Joel's pick for the gayest and straightest moments. So Joel, what was the gayest moment of the episode?
1: So I actually don't have a gayest moment. Oh, not even the boa? No, I just felt like that was too predictable. And that's that was, uh, I don't really know very many gays that would wear a boa. <laughs> but I just, I when I was watching it, I didn't really find anything that really screamed gay. I will give props to Bree's tea set when she's serving Sylvia. Love that. Cute little tea set. Absolutely loved it. And Sylvia certainly was up for the running with her desperation for Adam and the fact that she's going around licking his tattoos. Yeah. Fair enough. But I just, I don't think there was anything that deserved gay. (laughs) Do you have a straightest moment? I certainly do. I surely do. (laughs) So my award for straightest moment. (laughs) Goes to Carlos and Victor. For their fistfight in a tornado scene, so manly. You couldn't really get straighter than that. They're like, "Yeah, I've had a fistfight, but if you have a fistfight in a tornado, bro, right?" So manly. Next, we have the awards for best and worst parents. Ob, who do you have for the best parent of the episode? My award for best parent of the episode. I don't really have one. So do you not have a best or worst
0: parent? I don't... I didn't really know what would apply in this episode. It's a disaster episode. You could give it to Ida for the cat. Or Lynette for getting her kids to safety.
1: I mean, you couldn't give it to Ida for
0: the cat because she fucking let that cat go. Sorry, this episode doesn't really apply for one... It wouldn't be a funny answer anyway. No.
1: Sorry, no best parent this week. I've got a worst parent. Well, it's not your segment. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you have for the worst parent of the episode? My
0: award for... Worst parent of the episode... I'm gonna give it to Susan anyway for not mentioning Julie once in this episode, so there you go.
1: You can't just give it to Susan because you don't have a decent person to give it to. Well, I was originally gonna give it to her because I just assumed that Julie was around Mm -mm. because I didn't realise that she was embarrassed. Yeah.
0: I guess I can't. Who would you give worst parent to?
1: I would give worse parent to whoever the mum is of that little boy that's going around selling water in the middle of a tornado zone. (laughs)
0: yeah that's true excuse
1: me but where is your mother and why isn't she locking you up <laughs> i know put him away but he needs to be in safety yeah i would give it to that woman not that we've ever met her
0: i think that's fair and well there you go guys that's where the episode ends that was season four episode nine something's coming quite a good episode you know yeah very good i would say it was a very strong episode if anyone wants to send us in some Comments, queries,
1: questions, theories, where can they do that? You can contact us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can contact us on Twitter at BFS Review.
0: Our email address is boyfriendsreview at outlook.com and our artwork is done by Louis, who you can find on Instagram at Doc Design, and there's also a link to his Etsy page. So we'll see you next week with season four, episode ten. Welcome to Kanagwa. Kanagwa.
1: Yes, we will see you then guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. E